Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, dum-dums? It's your good friend Colin here. Today's show is brought to you by Amazon.com. And why is it brought to you by Amazon.com? Because if you go to the Mazodcast website and click on the Amazon banner we get a sweet, wet taste of them dollar bills. So if you're purchasing drugs or prostitutes or, well, anything else you can get on Amazon, I assume all those things are available, do it through the Mazodcast Amazon banner and let us wet our beak, M-I-Z. Going to throw it, slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Johnson, and he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. It don't get no better than that, man. Lock deep near side. Jamon Moore. It's a foot race. 82 yards. Touchdown, Missouri. Boy, look at Crockett run. It's his fourth touchdown run of the day. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. With me, as always, is Eric Beisel's beard groomer, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Not joining us tonight is uh, Brian Goers, who came down with a bad case of cold feet. The guy's getting married this weekend, Colin. How about that? I hope he gets married. I bought him a gift and everything. Mm, Well, that makes one of us. (laughs) Well, I bought him a bottle of 151 and a dildo. (laughs) Put it in a box. I figured that's what him and his uh, sweet lady would like. You should put instructions on which one to use first. (laughs) Or which one to use on whom. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to believe the lover is going to turn into the missus. Yeah, I know. It seems like just a scant few months ago we were talking about Brian taking a lover. Mm -hmm. Now he's taking a wife. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to be taking a dildo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, sorry you can't be with us, but congratulations, Brian, on your uh, pending nuptials. So, uh, let's get into more important things than Brian's life. Mm-hmm. Football. Yep. So, uh, it's fall camp time, Colin. Once again, we are less than one month away from Mizzou football playing the probably the most anticipated game of the year, Missouri State. Yep. Yep. Coach Steck. Mm-hmm. Returning to the zoo. So, uh, we haven't learned a lot about the Tigers because, as always... Camp is closed mm-hmm. to the media because we've got to keep our secrets. Yeah. They don't want a bunch of paunchy white guys, you know, breaking down the film and giving away all their uh, mm, X's and O's. Yeah, exactly. One thing we have learned in the first week of camp is uh, who won't be there. This is uh, kind of a disappointing thing, but there's a number of potential Tigers who won't be on the team. Uh, the first one is uh, Deron Davis, who uh, we learned early on didn't make the grades, mm-hmm. won't be able to uh, join the Tigers because uh, he is stupid at the books. Yeah, he's a stone-cold dum-dum. Yep, but he is smart enough to go to JUCO, apparently. Mm-hmm. So uh, he will be leaving the team, and we won't be seeing his services. Uh, there was for two years. That's right. There are a couple of JUCO transfers who we haven't seen yet, but uh, seem to be hopeful that they will uh, clear up any grade issues that they might have. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's Malik Young and Walter Palmore. I wish they'd just, we, again, just go the Oklahoma route and just not pay attention to any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Oklahoma. Just let them play football. Yeah. Well, there's an issue today. I think Nick Saban, had, uh, he, he goes a little bit that route. He had a player who uh, got DUI, and he's not going to get suspended or anything. <laughs> nope. He nope. just turns out he can play football. Yep. Therefore, all is forgiven. Tiny little precious Nick doesn't mm-hmm. feel like he uh, needs to discipline those players. The funny thing about Nick Saban not suspending one of his players for getting a DUI is he doesn't give a fuck. No. Everybody's like, this is awful. This is disgusting. Outrageous. It's outrageous. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. Yep. Fuck you. I'm Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Zero fucks given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beat me on the field. I don't care. You don't like me. I don't yep. fucking care. So uh, it's not like he's going to smile either way. Mm-hmm. So uh, back, back to Tiger football. O'Shea Clark, who was uh, a touted running back to be freshman, he uh, is a little guy, 5'8", but touted to be very fast. The Tigers recruited him when a lot of other teams wouldn't because of his size, and uh, we're not going to see him play. So the uh, 
the O'Shea Clark era is over, Colin, before oh, it began. Dang it. Yeah. Who gives a fuck, really? I mean, yeah. blah. I, and, you know, I feel like oftentimes when these guys don't make it for grades, it's because they weren't good enough for the <laughs> the program to pay enough attention to their grades. You know what I mean? I feel like if you're good enough, they've got somebody uh, making sure you're doing everything you need to do to get onto the field. I wonder if, you know, obviously recruiting last year was difficult for Barrio's first year, mm-hmm. coming off all the 2015 bullshit the Tigers had to face. And I wonder if they didn't go after guys who were just question marks that other teams stayed away from because they knew grades could be an issue. And so you, you were taking wild cards. You were taking risks. I think that's you certainly ha- kind of had to. Yeah, there's probably something to, to that. I mean, there's taking on a problem or, or rolling the dice and risking a little bit to get maybe more talent than you would typically get just because, you know, other teams are going to shy away. The Cincinnati Bengals are uh, notorious for shying talented players with a checkered pass because they're cheap, you mm-hmm. know, because the owner there is notoriously cheap. But it's sort of the same thing. It's not because Mizzou's cheap, but they need to Their fill that roster with talent. And it's like sometimes maybe you're just going to have to take a guy who's got some Dirt under his fingernails to get him on the roster. Yeah, and certainly last year was that case. We did not have a very strong recruiting class, and it continues to get shallower, frankly, because these guys aren't going to be here. Mm-hmm. I think our one Missouri wide receiver is uh, is gone in Daron Davis. And then uh, Rashad Brandon is another guy that uh, is struggling again with, with the old grades. So that's five guys. Two of them look like they will return in all likelihood once everything gets cleared up. But... Uh, you know, Missouri's depth is not something that we're, is our strong suit in any position area. And so, God yeah, damn. it's kind of disappointing news when they had a nice little stretch of recruiting success. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot for of next year. Doubled up their recruiting totals for next year and kind of riding high in the saddle. And now half of last year's recruiting class is going to be MIA. Yeah. And, you know, some of those guys who may get back, the thing about those guys that go to JUCO, it almost seems like 50 50. You know, these guys have talent. But they may be, you know, really stupid. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, will they succeed in JUCO? Will they? Will they put it together? Yeah, because they don't always. And sometimes, if they take off like a shrocket, they somebody higher in the pecking order may go. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come play for us? Yeah, I mean that was that's what happens with a lot of times when they get, people get new coaches is uh, immediately go to the JUCO route for stopgap. Right. Yeah. Well, that was kind of what Mizzou did a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and it's like Kirby Smart did that some with George. I mean, it's just something new coaches do. I mean, they're just trying to fill holes in the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then sometimes those guys look great coming out of high school. They go to JUCO, never to be seen again. You mm-hmm. know, they just they don't add up to what they think they're going to. I mean, that happens at every level. But, that, I mean, that's the first thing. That's our first impression of camp is that uh, there's guys that aren't there. The, I think some of the other questions you have in camp are, I think one of the biggest questions Mizzou fans have is, how is Terry Beckner Jr. going to look coming off of his second knee surgery? Mm-hmm. Uh, We've certainly been out long enough that you would think that that knee ought to be in pretty good shape because he mm-hmm. busted it up early to mid last season. So mm-hmm. he's he's had a long recovery time. And at least if you base it off of the NFL standards, at 12 months is pretty you're healed, you know, and mm-hmm. you got you know the superhuman people like Adrian Peterson who come back after like nine months. So yeah, surely. I think there's just always the fear that they're not going to come back at the same level that they left, you know. Sure, and uh, you know he's had both knees worked on now, and I think this is his third year, and but he he's not, not yet. He's finished. not a running back. He's not a no. wide receiver. He doesn't have to have a. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
he doesn't have to make sharp cuts or make the have blowout speed. I mean, as long as he's strong and, and can push the pocket, you know, hmm, I think it'll be okay. Yeah, except he's, he's never said. finished a season yet. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a valid point. I know it is. That's why I said it, because I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> Start calling him Glass Terry if he gets hit again, or hurt again. <laughs> He's such a big, strong animal, and he mm-hmm. can't fucking stay on the field. That is disappointing. Anyway, and that's another position group that uh, Missouri desperately needs at the off- or I'm sorry, the defensive line. So uh, we, again, we don't have the kind of depth. Over. We know we, Nate Howard is not going to be oh. present. Yeah, that's another thing. Nate Howard is uh, he applied to try to get his felony charge reduced to a misdemeanor for carrying around the magic mushrooms. And uh, it hasn't happened as of yet, so he's going to have a, uh, a hearing later in the month, which means he's going to miss all of fall camp for sure, and it's looking increasingly likely that he will not be around for 2017. And if he's not, frankly, he won't be around anymore. And yep. that's the rumor mill on Nate Howard is that uh, he's a fuck-up, true and true, and that uh, despite this arrest, this is the one that got out to the public, but internally he's been a, uh, he's been a fuck-up as well. It's a real shame because, I mean, Nate Howard is somebody you talked about in the last couple of years as having a lot of potential and somebody you thought could be he a rising star. He looked like a good star. football player. I mean, he, but uh, apparently he's a mm-hmm. knucklehead. So Yeah, he loves mushrooms. Yeah, sure. And uh, weed. So, I mean, you do too. Yeah, I mean, but I don't have to be eligible to play football. Right. Anyway, I think we should look forward to what we've got today. Uh, kind of a star-studded show, Colin. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I'm here. We have a couple of different people. We have uh, from the SEC Network, Peter Burns, who uh, who's all over that network. Uh, he was there from the get-go, from the beginning of the SEC Network. He's had a uh, podcast with our good friend Booger McFarlane, the Booger and Burns Show, for a long time. And he's also known as the fill-in for the great Paul Feinbaum on the Paul Feinbaum Show whenever uh, Paul has to get away on vacation. And so it'll be the first time we got to talk to Peter, and we're going to ask him what he thinks about Mizzou this year. And uh, I bet he's super optimistic. If I know the SEC Network, guys, he's going to love the Tigers. I'm sure he's picking them near the top of the SEC East. We'll talk to him. And then uh, we mentioned last week that uh, Mizzou is going to have, for the first time, this uh, tailgate concert series. And uh, one of the bigger stars to perform during the Auburn game is uh, country star David Nail, who hails from Kennett, Missouri. And uh, he was good enough to talk to us as well. So we're going to talk to David Nail and uh, see what he thinks about his Tigers. And so I'm really looking forward to that, having a Missouri boy. And uh, at least my uh, Twitter followers, probably the most famous guy we're going to have on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I probably mean, knows more about football than half the people we've had on. Yeah, it's a little bit sad that his job is to play country music and not live anywhere near here. And I'm sure he knows more about uh, the Missouri Tigers than we do. But before we get into all that, Colin, outside of Tiger Country, is uh, the first Top 25 poll has come out. And uh, there are a number of SEC teams in them. Mizzou not included, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the most notable things is the lack of SEC teams in the top 10. But uh, Only one in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And this Who is the coaches poll. Mm-hmm. It is the number one ranked Crimson Tide. Who who's could believe it? M- mascot is an elephant. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one has explained that to me yet. Yes, a red tide elephant. Yes. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're ranked number one. You know what, Brennan? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck a Crimson Tide is either. I've never seen a tide of any color close to crimson no well i mean as we mentioned before it could very well be related to a menstrual cycle <laughs> uh next is at number 12 the lsu tigers mm-hmm. number 13 is uh the auburn tigers well, there are too many tigers in the sec uh number 15 the georgia bulldogs i think that is fucking foolhardy mm-hmm. and um will be proven wrong almost immediately um number 16 florida and rounding it out at number 24, which is asinine to my mind, the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah. So well, despite the fact that Tennessee looks like hot garbage and was hot garbage last year, hot, hot garbage. they have managed to shoehorn their way into the top 25. I saw somebody on Twitter wrote, it wouldn't be a preseason poll if Tennessee didn't make an appearance. Yep, yep. Those it's, are tend to be the only polls that they live there. Is the before the season starts? I just I don't know. It's like the media, college football media, is attracted to orange. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't. I can't. I don't have another explanation for it. Um, I don't know how many years in a row this team has to fail, and in particular this coach. Before they go, you know, Tennessee just doesn't got what it takes. Well, I mean, the frustrating thing I've seen in this entire conference, and it bleeds into the national media coverage at large, is that they just have this set. Mm-hmm. It's, it's written in stone where they think people ought to be, and it doesn't matter how much history yeah. proves it false. That's what they think. It doesn't matter how bad the roster is. 
It's just yeah. like, oh, well, they're Tennessee, so we got to at least start them in the top 25, right? Much like last year, one of my biggest goals for this year is for the Tigers just to fucking beat Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck Tennessee. Well, if you're going to play a mean game of hashtag fuck Missouri, sour grapes, beating Tennessee makes that really fun because nobody is more sour grapes, more butthurt, more black-hearted than Tennessee fans. Sour Yeah, that's true, and uh, it, it's always good. I mean, it, the, the best years of the Mazzotcast are the ones where we can uh, read tweets from the, the yeah, Tennessee Yeah, the, the best years of the Mazzotcast were when we were SEC East Championships mm-hmm. several years ago. For all of our you know newish listeners or newer listeners, mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. All you've heard is us bellyache about how bad the Tigers have been. Yeah. Well, uh, another thing in the poll, going back a little bit, that you mentioned that I you talked about Georgia Bulldogs and how you thought they were overranked. One thing I think is that uh, they will beat Notre Dame early on. They play Notre Dame in South Bend, and um, well, Notre Dame is the Tennessee of the national media. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean? it's like it doesn't oh, matter yeah. how bad, good, or indifferent the team is. It's Notre Dame. Yeah, and a hundred years ago, they were unstoppable. Right. So, got to think it's going to still happen next year. Yep. Well, and because of that, if Georgia is to beat Notre Dame, as I expect that they will, um, I don't think it's much of an accomplishment. But I believe Notre Dame went four and eight last year, something like that. Mm-hmm. Because the national media holds Notre Dame in such high regard, they're going to keep Georgia high in the polls for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, Georgia will lose to Notre Dame, and it will they'll move up in the polls. Yeah, or yeah. I guess it works in both directions. Or they beat Notre Dame, and they'll skyrocket to the second in the nation. I wish Mizzou would play Notre Dame earlier in the season because yeah. I mean I I think Mizzou stands as good a chance as anybody against. Fucking Notre and everybody Dame. Be like, do you realize that Mizzou just beat Notre Dame? We better put him in the top five. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. Obviously, you know, these uh, first polls that come out are absolute nothing. They're complete garbage. They're meaningless. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how uh, the, big, the SEC is not as highly regarded this year and that the Big Ten has a lot more teams in the top ten than the SEC does. So uh, who knows? We'll I've see. heard this the argument made that it's the, the college football, at least – top-tier college football is becoming more like the NFL where everybody's getting these giant facilities and everybody's got money pouring in and um, everybody recruits, you know, a wide area. And it's just, it's resulted in parity at the top levels of uh, football mm-hmm. and at least college football, kind of like the NFL is, is kind of rife with parity. And uh, I think you see that. I mean, I don't know if that the, the SEC is down as much as maybe everybody else is just starting to come up a little bit. Mm. God, any any Division One Power Five conference school you go to now, I mean, they have immaculate stadiums, giant training facilities. You know, it's it's not like a team like Texas or Oregon who has just money to burn is the only programs that will have these things. I mean, Mizzou's got beautiful facilities and huge facilities, and it's building onto their stadium, and it's just everybody's got it now. So, I mean, an Alabama, you know, lives on cachet on their name, and God, that helps, but. They can't just go, we've got a better weight room than everybody else, because that's just not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because completely contrary to that argument is that uh, people say, oh, Missouri can't compete in the SEC because the SEC teams have all this stuff that Missouri doesn't. But like you know, it's like you said, all these teams have stuff now. Well, and I, I think the people saying that have never stepped foot on a campus. What is Missouri lacking? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The only thing I can see that Missouri is lacking is a – Stadium that seats a hundred thousand people, which to me is ludicrous. You know, we don't need that. I mean, you could be like Neyland Stadium or where the fuck it's called in Tennessee, where it's just a hodgepodge of buildings built onto buildings onto buildings. It's not like it's a beautiful, immaculate hundred thousand seat stadium. It's just a, it's like a fucking trailer park where somebody has just slapped more trailers together mm-hmm. to well, make it a hundred. Describing Tennessee as <laughs> yeah. a state, you know, and I think given the way TV is, even when you talk about a rabbit of fan bases, Tennessee with little to no professional sports. I mean, they've got a hockey team and they've got a foot NFL football team, but they're fairly new, at least in the terms of professional sports teams. And then you got places like Alabama. It's just like, well, there's nothing else to do there, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's, it's going to be harder and harder. You see more and more of these teams starting to pull seats out or cover them with tarps or, you know, just to try and not make it look like we got a bunch of empty seats. And that's not necessarily means their program doesn't have support it's just jesus christ when you got a 52 inch flat screen television at home and you don't have to pay 17 dollars a beer or fuck with parking or the cold weather at some point during the season it's it's hard to get motivated to go to games mm-hmm. i get it's hard for me to get motivated to go to games you know and it's not like i'm going out and buying season tickets i'm like i'm, I'm pretty happy with the, the the view from my couch you know and if somebody offers me a ticket let's let's go to the mizzou game 
But if they don't, I'm just going to watch it on television and look at the stats and, yeah. and be able to rewind it and watch somebody blow a fucking block or, or miss a tackle. And so I can write it down and you know call them out on this show and scream their name and tell them what a piece of shit 20-year-old they are mm-hmm. <laughs> for missing a block. And uh, you know take a dump from the comfort of your own home yeah. at, at your convenience whenever you'd like. Yeah, nobody wants to take a dump in a urinal. <laughs> Yet you've done it. Yeah, well, you know. Stalls, I feel, I'm a bit claustrophobic. Yeah, and you know, Furrow Field has those big old school trough style mm-hmm. toilets, and so yeah. when you've pooped in those, it's really caused quite a stir. Yeah, yeah, people don't <laughs> like it. Yeah, you've got some, you've had some bad reactions to that. Yeah, yeah, and and you know what? For people with small pickles too, that causes like a tremendous amount of mm-hmm. of anxiety. It, you know, shy bladder. I know Brian has a terrible time trying to pee in those. Well, we've those. never really addressed that about going to a football game at Faroe and the small pickle syndrome. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a good time now, Brendan, mm-hmm. to, to uh, talk about small pickle syndrome. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, or SPS as it's known. I think you know that is something that maybe Mizzou fans haven't really looked at or the athletic department hasn't really looked at when they can't fill when we're putting 65,000 people in a 75,000 seat stadium i think you've got what you've got there is 10,000 small pickles yeah exactly you know and they're they don't like, like going there no it's like hd tv or show everybody my tiny Listen, pickle i've got i've got a mean case of sps mm-hmm. i don't want to go to that stadium yeah i mean i'll go to a football game i'm going to want to drink a soda i might want to put a little rum in it and I know at some point that pickle's going to ache and want to need, need <laughs> yeah. some release. Sure. But then I'm going to have to, you know, there'll be some 17-year-old kid with a horse pickle. Yeah. <laughs> and I am going to get yeah. that thing out. You're going to sit right next to some guy, pull it out, look like a baby's arm holding a plum, and you're going to go, <laughs> Jesus Christ, my <laughs> tiny, tiny pickle. Yeah, I know. And, you, and you, you try to overcompensate by getting everything out, the whole, you know, twig yeah. and berries, yeah, and it just looks sure. like a bunch of little chicken parts in a yeah. plastic sack. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 ugly yeah, and it's nobody like wants to see two that. Two Ewoks fighting over a peach and you're mm-hmm. and you look over next to you and it's a guy with a Pringles can with a vein as big as yours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's it's just not good. No, and and so there's there's that public urinating factor there. Sure. That I mean I think put stalls in. I think you can watch ten thousand people show up that you never saw before. I think that's an angle that maybe Mizzou hasn't explored. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll send an email to the athletic yeah. department. <laughs> Subject line: SPS. <laughs> Well, I think on that note, let's take our first break. We'll come back. We'll talk with Peter Burns. Hopefully, he'll have the same deep, hard-hitting analysis that we just gave you. I doubt it, but we'll we'll give it a whirl. All right. This is the Mazatcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. Settling and Screech's sex tape, the Mazat Cast. Joining us now from the SEC Network, Peter Burns is here to talk a little bit about college football and specifically Mizzou and whether he thinks they have any chance of uh, being any good this year. That's a hot topic for us here in Columbia. Thank you so much for joining the show, Peter. You don't sound too confident. It's funny because I've been kind of listening to you guys and it's like, if they're going to be any good this year, because that's, I mean, that's a huge question mark. I'm sure not only in Columbia, of course, where everyone cares about it, and even over here at our, at our conference, at our network, that's really kind of like one of the big question marks we have right now is what's going to happen with Missouri football. I mean, it's kind of crazy. You see, what was it, like 5-7, and seven, then 11-2, and 10-3, and three, you go back-to-back in the East, and... And it's been kind of a struggle ever since. So we're we're trying to find the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, uh, Mizzou team uh, that we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, the the volatility has been amazing. I mean, I think Tiger fans are hinging their hopes on the offense, which I think everybody in uh, the wider media outside here in Columbia, we all agree that it should look strong at a lot of returning starters. But the, it all hinges on that defense, which was just – terrible last year it was complete <laughs> hot garbage and we lost of course charles harris to first round of the nfl draft and guys like arion penton so 
Mizzou fans, I think, are hoping that scheme changes by Barry Odom will help. But uh, that's the real question mark. What is your thought on – I mean, the, the positive, I guess, is that uh, the schedule is favorable to Mizzou. They do have that strong offense, should score points. But the defense is such a question mark. How do you think things will look? Well, I mean, you, you look at I think so much starts with, with this team. You're right as far as offensively. I mean, we look at it. We were kind of ranking with the most explosive offenses in the SEC. I mean, I, I, even though I like South Carolina this year, I don't think there's a doubt with what Heifel's brought to that offense in last year and bringing to, in, in seeing Dwarry Crockett really step out. I mean, this is a team that has all of the all of the tools to put up big numbers, but uh, and I think it starts with the first two weeks. I mean, you should be able to. I mean, get by. I believe if I'm mistaken. I think it was Missouri State to start, but right. then the one that I remember was South Carolina uh, week two, and I think the whole season kind of falls on that because I, you should be one to zero going in and, and hosting and hosting the Gamecocks. But I think I think Will Muschamp's going to be that team is going to be good with um, you know Jake Finley. I think that they probably will have the second best offense to Mizzou in the East and I think they're kind of in the same boat that they don't play a whole lot of defense. I mean that could be one of those ones with the scores like 42 to 41 and you know whatever team gets it last may win and I think a lot of it has to do with the success of this season is is that second game against South Carolina because you're right I mean I, I think the product is that we're going to find out with Missouri is that they can score but is it almost a scoring at the sake of your defense. And what I mean by that is that that's kind of what hurt Alabama in a couple of years against Clemson is that, hey, they were they were going fast, fast, fast with Lane, but guess what? The defense was winded. And, I mean, this is Alabama's defense that had five-star guys top to bottom and, and was as deep as anybody outside of an NFL squad. And playing fast and, and scoring a bunch of points sometimes actually in a weird way kind of the, hurts the pacing of the team. I mean, scoring points never hurts, right? But right. As far as how fast and how fast the offense runs, and I think that's one of the things is that they're going to have to find a way to have balance to kind of protect. And I, th- I think a good coach, and, and I think Barry Odom is one of those guys. He has a way of disguising the weaknesses of your defenses. I don't know if he knew truly between the injuries and the guys he lost the year prior and just kind of getting the reins of being a head coach if he truly knew what those deficiencies were so he didn't really know how to mask them and this year it's all about masking that defense and probably a little bit of that that, that front seven is where they're going to probably need the most help. yeah what you're describing is exactly what the Tigers faced last year Drew Locke you know a 3,000 yard passer but when he went up against some of those stronger defenses and when Missouri's defense was uh, on the field a long time they go fast and go through three and out and the numbers that we saw against some of the weaker competition completely melted away and I, I you know unless the defense can be back to some sort of at least average pace you know there, it, it's going to be very tough for it has to be it has to be close to Mizzou defense and I, and I say that in in such a compliment because over the last couple of years when we started the network it was like if they had the Mizzou defense, like this was the defense that you wanted to watch. This was Charles Howard. This was Michael Sam. This is guys that, that really kind of made a difference that you had to, like, you're like, you don't want to go up against this defense. And, and like I said, I, I actually have really zero concerns about what Drew brings to this team. I mean, when I sat down there this last spring and met with them, I, I thought he was wise beyond his years. I thought he was a good kid. I think he's got a great arm. And I think the connection he had with Jamon Moore was something that. That, that not a lot of teams throughout college football have such a good connection. So, you know, I'm not I'm not worried about locking that really that side of the ball. It's just a matter of defensively, are they able to to protect themselves? And I think that big that big answer comes September the ninth there there in Columbia. I think you're right, and it, you know, a team that can score a lot of points can cause upsets, but a team that has a bad defense loses games they should win. And exactly. I think, and so I think, you know, Missouri's goal realistically is, is to get back to bowl contention. I don't think even the most rose-colored glasses Tiger fan expects, you know, to be competitive for winning the East again. But uh, do you think a bowl is in the cards for Missouri this year? 
Well, I hate to be the guy that goes to schedule to schedule, but I, I just pulled it up earlier, and if I'm not mistaken, I think I counted. I felt Mizzou State would be a win off the bat. I don't think they beat South Carolina. I just think South Carolina, the good thing for Missouri is they're getting South Carolina earlier in the year because they're still young as well. But I, I think South Carolina may end up winning that game in, in Missouri. So Purdue should be a win. I think at Kentucky is going to be a hard out. At Georgia is a tough out. Idaho should be a W. At Connecticut should be a W. And outside of that, I mean, you got Florida, Tennessee, even at, Ar- at Arkansas is going to be tough. And then even at Vandy. I mean, I, I think that if you had to go ahead and take a look at it, I think you're confident saying there's four wins. Either there is, you feel pretty good about five. Now, the question mark is, can you get that sixth one? And I think that sixth one is going to have to come from a combination of South Carolina, Vandy, or Arkansas. One, only one of them you get at home, and two of them, you know, you're playing at the end of the season where you might be beat up. I mean, you know, Vandy got a little bit stronger towards the end of last year because they played Missouri-like defense, you know, that we've kind of known Mizzou. And Arkansas in, in November on Thanksgiving weekend is always just a tough out for whatever reason – I've seen LSU got their tails whipped a couple of times in Fayetteville when they were the better team. So I think Arkansas is not going to be, frankly, very good this year. Uh, but they have a better, very good quarterback. And I think that's another one like South Carolina. Austin Allen versus Drew Locke. That, I mean, that we might see 12 touchdowns scored in that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think Missouri fans, have they've benefited from exceeding expectations in the past. And then even like last year when we had four wins, beating Arkansas when they were arguably one of the hotter teams in the country coming off big wins against Ole Miss and LSU, nobody saw that coming. And so we're hoping one of those games that you mentioned might be the one to get them over the hump, but uh, time will tell. Well, and, and the thing is you have to take care of the Purdue's, the Idaho's, the Connecticut's mm-hmm. of the world in, in the Missouri states. Like you can't do what Mississippi State did last year, and all of a sudden, first first week, I think they lose to South Alabama or somebody like that. You know, what I mean, you can't you, these these games. You have to you have to bank them, and that's why you know when you look at the schedule, it's not terribly tough. The problem is, I think the East has gotten a lot better, and I don't I don't know if Missouri has gotten a lot better like the rest of the East, like. Like Florida has gotten better over the last couple of years, like Vandy, like Kentucky, uh, and, and, and even South Carolina. So that's the big question mark. I, I do like Barry Odom, though. I think he's a football coach. You know, now the question is, is he's going to be able to recruit like the big boys? I mean, Pinkle did such a good job of getting these guys in, the buying into the system of having kind of that, hey, nobody really cares about us, but we're going to make them care mentality and that that's going to be on the berry to do that I, I think he's a good x's and o's coach i want to be able to see what he can do as far as recruiting wise because you got to get those guys up there and when, when when you're dealing with it it's probably i mean i hate to say it but being around the sec it's it's probably in the bottom five as far as sec destinations that a kid in the south traditionally would want to go that's going to be up to barry odom to say it doesn't matter this is going to change we need to be back to winning nine ten games a year while I have you on the phone, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit broader in the SEC, specifically about what everybody's been talking about this offseason and the old Miss situation. And it's so, somewhat settled now. Of course, we don't know the NCAA committee on infractions and what they're going to do. But just best case, worst scenario, how long, regardless of what that is, how long do you think a, a program like Ole Miss can really recover and be at a place where they can recruit and they can be competitive in the West, given all the trouble that they've faced over the last really two years? Yeah, I think best case scenario, you're looking at a three-year turnaround to where they can be back winning what Ole Miss football should be and normally is, is eight to nine wins. You know, I, I, you know it was rare that they were a, a you know national champion contender uh, outside of the, the year they had Eli Manning that they were really good. I think in, in maybe 03 was that year, but... You know, I, I think that it's a it's probably a best case scenario three year rebuild, if not um, probably an average on five year rebuild. I mean, that's how long it really took Penn State to get back after their sanctions. That, that's how long it took USC. Uh, you know, really the only people that dealt with sanctions that didn't uh, really miss a beat was was Ohio State, and I think that's the the outsider. Uh, I think that's the exception, not the rule. So. You know, and here's the deal. They're going to be able to pay a lot of money to a coach. They're in a fertile recruiting area in Mississippi. They have the city of Oxford working for us, which is unbelievable. Like, if you've ever been to the Grove, mm-hmm. it's one of the best places in college football. And people care about it. You're in, you're in, you're in a great division and a great conference. So it's not a bad job. 
it's just going to take a couple of years to kind of understand you know what really transpired down there and how do you bounce back from it. So the one thing I wanted to ask you before I got you off the phone was you've been all over the SEC network the last few years, and one of your gigs is to fill in for Paul Feinbaum. We started doing the, we started doing this show about three years ago, and we never thought we'd have the um, likes of Peter Burns and some of the SEC network guys on our program. So we built a, a, a robot that was we called it Paul Feinbot, which uh, we 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 had answer. We have an answer exactly as Paul Feinbaum would do, and I thought uh, before I let you go, I wanted to give you a sample of of the Paul Feinbot to see to, to see if Paul Feinbaum might uh, one day become aware of it and take uh, take issue or, or agree with some of the answers. Let me just fire him up real quick. Nick, Nick Saban. So so that's Paul Feinbot, and. Uh, I agree. I'm going to tell Paul that one. That's the other thing about, like, oh, uh, you guys in the Mr. Podcast got it. Got it going for him. Yeah, I appreciate that. Go ahead and you can ask him, like I said, yes or no questions. If you want to ask the fine bot a question, I can give you a sample of some of the things that he can do. Yeah. Uh, hey, Paul Feinbaum, am, am I the best fill-in for you whenever you're uh, when you're on vacation? Not sure about that. <laughs> All right, Paul. Uh, do you think Alabama wins the West once again? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah, who's your favorite coach? Nick Saban. Who uh, who uh, who pays your paycheck? Nick Saban. Baby. Nick Saban. <laughs> that is awesome. You gotta get. I'll, I'll try to connect you guys with Paul. Maybe, maybe one day the Paul Feinbaum can uh, actually interview Paul Feinbaum. We'll have some fun with that one. Okay. Okay. Well, say goodbye to Peter. Paul. Adios. So, all right. Well, thanks again, Peter, for joining us, and thanks for the introduction between the fine bot and yourself. And uh, I really appreciate having you on, and all the uh, all the folks from the SEC Network who've been so good to us. No, thanks for the time, and I'm, I'm hoping it's. Uh, I hope I'm dead wrong, and it's a nine win season. We're all looking back at this podcast as man, Burns was the dumbest SOB that we ever had on the on the, on, on the program. But uh, we'll see. All I know is that I'm pumped that uh, football's right around the corner. Should be a hell of a season. So. I agree, and and all our fans, I'm sure hope that hope that you're wrong, but no offense. <laughs> no, hey, I hope I'm wrong because if if I'm wrong on this, that means we're going to be covering a lot more Missouri football this year, and that's uh, that's good for everybody. Yeah, you bet. All right, thanks again, Peter. Well, I tell you, Colin, Peter, uh, not too not too confident in the old Tigers, not bullish. Yeah, not bullish on the Tigers, <laughs> but. He worked for the SEC Network. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, let's be honest, uh, none of them watched any Mizzou football. <laughs> <laughs> well, on his, uh, on his behalf, he did admit that he hopes he's wrong. He hopes that uh, the Tigers do turn it around and uh, prove him wrong. I think uh, the most disappointing part for me was you didn't ask him about SPS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what are his opinions? Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely think it's something that the uh, SEC Network media have not talked about, as the empty seats uh, were the direct result of SPS. Well, Brennan... That's why we're here, mm-hmm. and that's where we fit in. Right, we, we talk about the topics that those people won't touch. Mm-hmm. And frankly, you know, they just don't have the insight that we do. <laughs> yeah, especially with small pickles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, you mentioned that the we share of- the same genetics. We've been a bit shortchanged. <laughs> that's right. You know, and, and it is intimidating to look over and see. You know, the, the kind of pickles that we wish we had. You know, with a head on them like a bastard tomcat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, Colin, uh, our next thing we need to get into, I have some, something for you, a little treat. Well, I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Ready for our first story of the day, Colin? Let's do this. Three Kansas restaurants cited for roach infestations. Amigos Grill and Cantina in Kansas City, Kansas. Had Just going to n- say this right now, Brent. Mm-hmm. They've only inspected three restaurants. <laughs> That's right. When I saw three restaurants had roast infestations, I was like, well, they've done three inspections. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's first go to Amigos Grill and Cantina because they had nine prior violations during their July 18th routine inspection. It was temporarily closed due to a roach infestation. About 20 live roaches were on glue traps or crawling under a reach-in cooler, and six large flies were resting on a cooking pot stored as clean. Mm. So, uh, yeah, if you go to Amigos, be sure to check through your food and look for roaches and flies. 
Sure. Mm-hmm. And their feces, obviously. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's just part of the course. So mm-hmm. If you're going to eat out at Kansas. if Also watch out for the Cheesecake Factory in Overland Park. Uh, they had 14 prior violations during their July 27th routine inspection. It was temporarily closed to a roach infestation. Yeah. The inspectors yeah. found 25 to 35 live roaches located on or behind a pizza rack and around cardboard pizza boxes. 30 to 35 live roaches under the dish area and along pipes, one live roach around the door frame leading to a weight station, and two live roaches under a countertop where dirty dishes were stored. About 150 to 200 ants were also present along the floor wall junction in the dish area. So I guess I don't know what condition or circumstances mm-hmm. would necessitate this, but if you want blood and your shit... Mm-hmm eat at a Kansas restaurant. Well, and this is a cheesecake factory. So, I mean, to, you know, to be fair to them, they have a huge menu. Yeah, and so you sure. would expect more roaches. Yeah, exactly. You know? It only makes sense. I, That's I science, Brennan. There's probably roaches on the menu. I don't know if they take that in consideration. Yeah, exactly. That's no Chinese hoax. Uh-huh. That's facts. <laughs> uh, let's go to our third restaurant here, Sombrero's Mexican Canteen in Shawnee. They had 18 violations during a July 11th inspection, and it was temporarily shut down to, you guessed it, roach infestation. The person in charge said pest control was coming in every two weeks. They should be there that night. Mm, I don't know about that. Uh, they had prior, eight prior violations on the July 12th reopening inspection, including 15 to 20 houseflies in a dry storage area, dish area, walls, doors, shelving, and soda fountain syrup boxes. The operation was also open and serving food to customers when inspectors came to reinspect the restaurant so that it could reopen. Strange. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked that there aren't more violations for prairie dogs just roaming Mm-hmm. You know, prairie dog feces, <laughs> you know, wandering into the the, the, the restaurants, mm-hmm. but probably in Kansas, I'm guessing you know, rogue prairie dogs inside the restaurant are probably not an actual violation. It's yeah. just par for the course. It's interesting because they do eat prairie dogs, but the prairie dogs are always at risk of eating the uh, residents. <laughs> yeah, Kansas. sure, they get a taste for blood burning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well, it's well known. I mean, it's yeah. it's par for Nothing the course. Sweeter than human meat when a prairie dog gets its teeth <laughs> into a human being. He'll settle for nothing less. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, once they get a taste for for human flesh. Yeah, watch out! Watch out! Next story is a Lawrence man arrested twice in one day for naked Sunday strolls down Mass Street. A 34 year old man was arrested twice on Sunday afternoon for walking. This guy does not have SPS apparently. <laughs> yes, or if he does, he doesn't give a damn. Mm-mm. Uh, yeah, he was arrested twice Sunday for walking naked through downtown Lawrence, causing a stir among shops and restaurants. According to police, Christopher Stephen Carlson of Lawrence was first taken into custody around 2 p.m. Sunday. He was cited for indecent exposure, fined $500, and released. Within minutes, photos started circulating on Snapchat and Facebook. An image of a bearded man walking nude past Gary Gerbel's running sports was posted on the Facebook page for Lawrence, Kansas Community and Police Scanner and had more than 900 shares by noon on Monday. Sure. We had ourselves a streaker on Mass Street a while ago. It was called in as a disturbance, but it's not illegal to walk around naked as the day you were born in Kansas unless a city has passed a city code against it. According to police, Carlson was cited again for indecent exposure and theft of services at around 4.30 Sunday when he was spotted sans clothes a second time. The police called after a taxi driver reported that he had taken the 34-year-old man from the Douglas County Jail to downtown. According to a police report, the driver said the man didn't have money to pay his fare, took off his clothes, and left the vehicle. Sure. <laughs> That's what you do. Mm-hmm. The, well, if I don't want to pay for a taxi, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's no better way to prove that you don't have money <laughs> than to than, get bare ass naked. <laughs> it's like, look, do you see any money on me? Can't I get don't. blood from a turnip or a cock. <laughs> oh, maybe. The uh, you know, the unusual incident reminded many online commenters of widespread sightings of a naked man nonchalantly walking the streets of Topeka two years ago, which I believe we covered. Mm-hmm. Kansas law forbids public nudity only when it involves intent to arouse or gratify the sexual desires of the offender or another. But municipal ordinances wow. are often Specific. stricter. <laughs> According to the Lawrence City Code, indecent exposure is a misdemeanor, and it's defined as any person willfully exposing his or her private parts in a public space. Those parts include male or female genitals, buttocks, or the female breast. Mm. Not everyone who witnessed Carlson's Sunday stroll was offended. Our customers are not alarmed, said Meg Herford, owner of the Lady Bird Diner. It was more like, hey, there's a naked guy. (laughs) I think people in Lawrence are desensitized to this kind of thing, she says. I couldn't agree with her more. (laughs) That's right. If they're not, they should be. Final story, Colin, in this 
I find when we do Kansas news, there's often themes that arise over the coming mm-hmm. weeks. And, and one of them, I think last week when we reported on uh, alligator and shark sightings that Kansans thought were real in their state, yeah. which was ridiculous. Uh, this one is titled, Do Mountain Lions Really Lounge in Kansas Cornfields? A photo recently began circulating on social media of a mountain lion lying in a cornfield. Despite what the caption said, it was not taken near the small town of Washington, Kansas. In fact, the same photo began circulating online almost exactly one year ago, saying the photo was taken near Dodge City and several other locations in Kansas. It was actually taken in Brazil, according to Matt Peake, Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism biologist who tracked down the origins of the photo of the big cat last year. Mark Downing of the Cougar Network, which documents mountain lions east of the Rocky Mountains, also said the photo was taken in Brazil. Dowling said, Kansans are particularly vulnerable to ridiculous online pranks and scams. Most Kansans are very new to the concept of both the internet and, let's face it, photography. Up until recently, most Kansas residents feared that if you took a photo of them, it would steal their soul. <laughs> Dowling also stated that most purported sightings of mountain lions documented in Kansas are actually that of prairie dogs, which are evolving much more rapidly than the area's human population and have become increasingly large and aggressive in recent years. <laughs> so, you know, it's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy's pretty frank about well, Kansas. I mean, let's talk about the, the name of the animal in general. Mm-hmm. It's a mountain lion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, as we all know, mountains are pretty sparse in Kansas. Mm-hmm. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, that, that alone should be a tip, yeah. tip off. So we'll just put that in the old shark mm-hmm. and alligator basket of mm-hmm. things that Kansas need not worry about. Yes. We will not be putting flesh-eating prairie dogs in that basket because they should be deathly afraid of those. They need to stop worrying about these animals that do not exist in their state <laughs> and focus on the very, very real threat of flesh-eating prairie dogs. Yeah, I agreed. Mm. Agreed. Well, Colin, let's get to some more serious topics. Uh, I'm very excited to have on the show David Nail, the country music star from Kennett, Missouri. He's a huge Tiger fan. He's going to be coming to town this fall and uh, before the Auburn game playing for the uh, Tiger faithful, and he was nice enough to stop by and chat with us. And so uh, why don't we turn it over to our interview we had with David when he uh, chatted Tiger football with us. Cool. Joining us now on the phone is country music superstar and pride of Missouri, David Nail, who's going to be coming down to Columbia for the uh, Missouri-Auburn game to perform in the the first year of the Mizzou Tailgate Series. David, thank you so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure, man. Anything for the black and gold, for sure. So you, you hail from Kennett, Missouri, a little little ways from Columbia, but have, have you been a Mizzou fan for, for your whole life? Absolutely. You know, it was uh, people ask me all the time, they say, you know, you're such a Missouri fan, but you didn't go to school there. I said, well, you know, I was taught at a very early age that, that that's our state university, that's our flagship university, and that's who you root for. And, um, you know, I went to a high school where a lot of the faculty and there were a lot of Missouri alumni in the community, so I always say that, you know, we, we always seem to kind of follow, you know, we were black and gold as well, so we always kind of seem to follow whatever Missouri was doing with their uniform combinations and stuff, and, you know, it was something that, you know, I grew up, that was just that was just part of, you know, you, you rooted for the St. Louis Cardinals, and you, you hated the Chicago Cubs, and you rooted for Missouri, that was just kind of part of growing up, and and then, you know, when I got into junior high, um, one of the, the schools in, that we played in our conference was a school called the, the Charleston Blue Jays in Charleston, Missouri, which is also in Southeast Missouri. And there was a guy, was a senior in high school that year named Lamont Frazier, who played oh, yeah. unarguably, the, unarguably one of the best Missouri basketball teams ever, the one that went undefeated in the Big 8 and lost in the Elite 8 to Arizona. Nice. He was, at that point, the greatest athlete I'd ever seen in my entire life. And became my idol, and I followed him hardcore throughout his four years in Columbia. And, and actually, um, it, you know, it kind of shows my age and maybe his as well. Uh, we played the show this past year in Springfield, Missouri, and his daughter was in my meet and greet line. And she simply just came to the show because she had seen me tweet about her dad, and she just wanted to meet me. Wow. And figure out why I was such a big fan of her, her, her father. So. Long story short, yeah, I'm just a huge, huge Missouri fan, bleed black and gold. Some would say probably a little bit more fanatical than I should. And I tell my wife all the time, I'm too old to care as much as I do, but 
Well, you're on the right program for that. Nobody's going to fault you at all. <laughs> I know that you came back here and, and Grace is singing the national anthem, I think 2012 against Kentucky. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience. You know, I've been fortunate enough through different, you know, people to get, you know, fairly close with several people in the athletic department. And uh, it's been really neat. You know, a lot of the, the perks, I guess, of doing what I, I, I do for a living have allowed me several opportunities to, to meet people and become friends with people that probably otherwise I wouldn't have. And, you know, I was asked to do it. And, you know, to be honest with you, the, the anthem is something that most singers are terrified of. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you usually try to avoid it as much <laughs> as possible. But being that I was such a fan, you know, and I think that they, you know, offered to let me stand on the sideline that particular game and watch the game and so they, they kind of bribed me a little bit and, and I was uh, I was more than happy to do it and it was a it was a big game um, you know I can remember uh, standing on the sideline there were several big plays I think uh, Sheldon Richardson returned a fumble for a touchdown and, and I, they quickly told me that if I was going to stand on the sideline I, I needed to be a little less animated than I was uh, every <laughs> Every time there was a big play because, you know, like I said, I, when you easily breathe it, you care probably a little too much. You tend to react certain ways, and I've been known to fist pump strangers and hug strangers. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when you're, down there, when you're down there so close, man, it's hard not to feel, feel a part of it. I bet so. And, and, you know, you're coming back here for what's going to be a huge game, probably the biggest game Missouri's going to have at home, certainly, against Auburn. And uh, I wanted to know, first of all, how that came about a little bit, and secondly, if you'd be back before the game started singing the national anthem again for that, if that was on the docket. Well, we haven't, haven't discussed the national anthem. Uh, I'm sure that Tim Hitman and the athletic department and Coach Odom, they, they may put me on the spot for that. Uh, we'll have to discuss that at a later date. But it was something that was really neat. You know, I was fortunate enough to, um, right after the new athletic director was was uh, announced, you know, I guess shortly before the, the SEC basketball tournament that was here in Nashville, I was fortunate enough to meet um, several people in the athletic department out for uh, dinner one night. And we were just kind of discussing things, you know. And I tell people that, you know, after a few glasses of wine, I probably was a little bit more vocal than I probably should have been. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm very I'm very passionate about University of Missouri and being here in SEC country, living in Nashville. Um, you know, it's we don't get a lot of a lot of uh, respect, uh, and they, we don't they don't kind of talk about it maybe as much as I feel they should, especially after you know winning two East titles, their second or third year. We were talking about different things to to create some excitement for the upcoming football season, which I think is going to be a, a successful one. And and they just mentioned how I felt about the idea of doing concerts before the football games and without you know me being involved originally. And, and I, I told them, you know, hey, I, I had done some in the past. I did one for the University of Buffalo this past year. I had done some in the past for, for different places. I've done some acoustic shows for before an LSU football game and so some big and some small and just kind of discussed uh, you know what was the best way to go about it and I think that more and more schools are, are trying to make you know build things around the football game and, and really make it an entire kind of Saturday hey we're going to go down early we're going to tailgate we're going to you know hopefully see a good show we're going to get excited and be ready when the game is you know, sticks around, and, and hopefully we can celebrate in the parking lot afterwards. So I thought it was a really cool idea. And then when, you know, I honestly never expected to, to get that phone call. You know, I was just I was just flattered that they, they, they asked my opinion on it. And, and naturally, you know, that it was a no-brainer. You know, when I saw that email come across the, the, the inbox and they asked me to be a part of it, it was, you know, a no-brainer. I, I told my management. You know, a booking agent, you know, whatever we got to do to make it happen, you know, it, it, it's a must. 
Well, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. I mean, uh, Missouri folks are, are awful proud of you. Uh, we love it whenever somebody makes good, a uh, local Missouri boy and, you know, and being down in Canada, obviously Cheryl Crow's been up here a lot and really supported the Tigers as well. And so I think it's going to be a really cool series. And I think that, that, uh, the you coming for that big Auburn game is going to be very exciting. And so I appreciate you agreeing to do it and, and, and being a part of that process because it's, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I, I don't know how sober I'll be during the concert, but I'm certainly going to enjoy it. Well, it, you know, they they told me that you know I was glad that it was going to be before the game because you know I'll, I'll still have a voice. You know, before the game. And, <laughs> yeah. And I was worried about you know quite frankly the shape I would be in if it was afterwards. So, <laughs> yes. Um, it'll be good to kind of get my part of the day over with, and you know one of the coolest things for me as a, as a fan and as a Missouri fan is I, I love one of the things I love more than anything is bringing you know, people to Columbia for the first time and they hear me talk about it and build it up whether it's my wife or friends or people in my band over the years and, and I say you just got to experience it you know like everybody talks about the LSUs and the Alabamas and the Florida States and you just see all that stuff but there's just something about the, the environment and the community and you know, everybody dressed in black and gold, and, and um, I assure you, you know, if you come, you're going to fall in love with it. And this past year, I was fortunate enough to go to the Georgia game, which we lost on the last second, but my man, my tour manager actually accompanied me there, and we, we took the bus up there, and, you know, they, they brought us a couple Missouri shirts, and he's from Wisconsin, and he, he's a big Badger fan, but he, he was, I mean, he was all in during the game. Yeah. He was just as disappointed as I was after the game, and I asked him if he wanted to, you know, go down to Shiloh or someplace after the game. And he said, you know, I, I feel like my dog just died. You know, I, I, I feel like I just need to crawl in bed and go to sleep. And so we we're both just kind of sitting there, you know, defeated. But you know, it, it's really neat to see people come, and you know, whether it's a restaurant downtown or, uh, you know, I tend to spend most of my time at night at, you know, at Shiloh. They, They've been very good to me over the years, so sure. it's uh, it's just really fun to see other people see what I've seen, you know, for 25, 30 years. Sure. I uh, I got one last football question for you, David. How do you think Tigers are going to do this year? Uh, do you have a prediction for uh, for how 2017 is going to turn out? You know, I, I'm not really big on predictions, uh, mainly because I'm usually terrible with them. Yeah, same uh, here, same I here. Think, I think. I think they're in a great spot where outside of Columbia, there's there's not a lot of people expecting big things. I say, you know, Locke has been there for a while. I feel like every year, you you know, you're a Missouri fan, you're 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 looking for that next great receiver to kind of step up and have a big year. It, it always seems like somebody graduates, whether it's Jeremy Macklin, you have somebody else to step up, whether it's a Bud Satcher or somebody like that, that maybe you weren't expecting to, to have a big year. And, and so, I, me personally, that's that's kind of the area that I'm looking forward to, just because I'm so used to us uh, throwing the ball and, mm-hmm. and, and being such an excited, exciting offensive team. Charles Harris is going to be next to impossible to replace. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite players I've ever watched play football in Missouri. But I think, you know, as a whole, you know, you're, you're kind of that snake in the grass this year. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people know really what to expect. And, and I got to tell you, man, I'm the biggest Barry Odom fan in the world. I was tearing up and yelling like crazy when he got the job. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to spend some time with him. And he's just, man, he's one of those guys you just run through a wall for. And, you know, I know that we had a, a good uh, recruiting weekend this past weekend. And, I've always said, man, if you, you let that guy in your living room, man, you're going to come to Missouri. It's just that simple. So uh, I think it's an important year. I, you know, I, I think you, you obviously, you know, you want to go to a bowl and you want to try to go to the best bowl as possible. And, and you know, the good thing about it is you never know what's going to happen. You know, I, both years I think we won the East. Uh, I'm pretty sure nobody really expected it. That's right. And you just don't know what else. You don't know what's going to happen to other teams, whether it's injuries or, or whatnot, and, and hopefully we don't have any big ones and are able to stay healthy. And I just like the direction, man. It just feels good. Obviously, everybody at the beginning of the year thinks, hey, this is our year, but 
Um, you know, you look at last year, man. There were uh, you know, we definitely should have gone to a bowl game. There was you know a couple of hard losses and some games that we probably should have won. And that Georgia game you mentioned. Absolutely. You know that that you win that game, and who knows what your season's like? You right. know. So I think it was huge closing strong with that Arkansas win. I think that was huge. There's no way anybody expected us to go in there and win that game. So I was extremely proud of, of how they finished, and I feel good about it. You know, I, I, I think that um, there's certain years where you're a little nervous, and uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, I'm nervous. I want, I want to win every game just like everybody else, but I'm also realistic, and I, and I realize that, you know, that this is just Coach Oden's second year, and like I said, I have no doubt he's going to get the job done, and and he's going to be with us for a long time. And, and it just, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, God, God blessed me with the ability to sing and it allowed me the opportunity to kind of be a super fan, kind of from, with an arm's length away and have access to some things that, you know, I dreamed of, I dreamed of being this close as a kid. So mm-hmm. I, I'm very thankful for the athletic department, Coach Odom, everybody, baseball coach, basketball coach. I mean, it just, I can't remember a time just as a whole where there was more excitement around the University of Missouri, especially after, you know, a couple years ago and all that mm-hmm. drama and, the, you know, the, the issues that we had on campus. You know, you, you look at what the, what the basketball team is, you know, on the verge of doing and, and, and you know, with the football season cranking up. And, and if you look at any athletic department, man, every, every team, every sport helps the other sports. And, there's no doubt that our football program, doing what we've done in the SEC since we've been there, has, has you know, kind of helped out our um, identity as a basketball program. And, and now, you know, with the, the recruits that we have in basketball and the potential we have there, I mean, it's, it's, it's just going to snowball and help everything. And I just think it's a, it's a good time to be a Missouri fan. I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. I'm ready to – I've got friends in radio here in, in Nashville, and I'm chomping at the bit to be able to call in and talk some smack. <laughs> well, I'd love that to be true. I think there is a lot of excitement. David, congratulations on all your success. Congratulations on the Twins. And uh, we're just really looking forward to having you down uh, this season and, and helping us root on the Tigers. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, I'm flattered and honored that you wanted to, wanted to chat with me. And, and, and hopefully it's the first of many. And like I said, hopefully uh, hopefully we bring them a little luck from, uh, from the south when we come up there. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe after we beat Auburn, we would call you back and you could tell us how you've uh, sort of rubbed it into all the uh, other SEC fans, you know, who weren't expecting it. Yeah, there, there's definitely, a, you know, there's a, definitely a pipeline of Nashville. I mean, Nashville's a big city, so they would go to a lot of schools. But there's a there's a lot of people that go to both Alabama and Auburn. But right. I feel like I, I know several people that, you know, have, have gone, gone to school in Auburn from Nashville and come back to Nashville, so... There's definitely, and it's SEC country, so I mean, it's, it's, it's good to just be kind of that person on the outside that's kind of rubbing it in. Yeah, and just uh, throws a throws a monkey wrench in everything whenever Missouri does well, so that's always a lot of fun. Exactly. All right, well, David, thank you very much for being so generous with your time. We really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Anytime. Well, that was pretty cool. Yeah, seems like a, a real live Tiger fan. Yeah, absolutely. Not just not just coming on the show to promote the the latest sh- album. Yeah, the album or the or the upcoming show, but like obviously pays attention to the football team. Yeah, it's funny because I had a bunch of questions I wanted to ask him about you know his music, his tour dates, and all that stuff, and all he wanted to talk about was Mizzou football. Yeah, I want to um, I want to ask him about tail uh-huh. or you know groupies that sort of thing when you right. get into that so. i think that's important but uh we just didn't get there mm-hmm. no but uh yeah and i'm excited we'll be uh, having a beer with him after the game at shiloh and uh you know get to get to know him a little bit better but uh yeah he it's it's cool when somebody makes good mm-hmm. from missouri absolutely and and really stays true to his roots and he definitely has like he tells everybody about mizzou probably people don't want to listen frankly yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically everyone outside of the the boater, mm-hmm. essentially. But uh, yeah, yeah. Fuck so. everybody who's not from Missouri. That's my take. <laughs> Damn right. So uh, anyway, Colin, we've got uh, you know less than a month to go until uh, we'll be at Furrow Field to watch real live football. I tell you what, lucky we had two interviews today mm-hmm. because it's it's slim pickings right now. I mean, yeah. we we're just waiting for that football season to fire up. Mm-hmm. We're waiting. To, I mean, I can't wait to have a show where we talk about a football game. Yeah, you know, what I mean, where we're not sitting before the show going. What the fuck are we going to talk about tonight? You know, <laughs> we're right. picking our brains. 
and uh, you know talking about you know obviously important and diseases like SPS, but mm-hmm. but really that's not a topic that we would talk about. No, and if you're dealing with SPS, you don't want to hear about it all the time. No, I mean, you know, no, 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 no. You, you know, know that the to- several listeners have turned off the show almost immediately when it started. I mean, mm-hmm. the shame is real. Yeah, I mean, it's a terrible thing to deal with on a day to day basis. Speaking of listeners. We've got a lot of new ones, Colin, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been fortunate that uh, a lot of you guys have uh, filled out our listener survey. Which yeah, we were, uh, we were discussing it, where it's coming from. Was it mm-hmm. the commercial? Yeah. Is it just uh, Oh, yeah, we put out a commercial. We haven't really talked about it yeah, on the we show. Yeah, we, we put out a video, a little video commercial. We, uh, is it just enthusiasm for the basketball team and the football team? You know, the basketball team looks like they're going to be shitting in tall cotton this year, and the uh, football team hasn't started playing football game yet, so everybody's optimistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is it? Uh, yeah, we don't know what it is, but um, but there's been a definite yeah, uptick, s- super big spike in listenership, and we're welcome all of you to the Mazodcast. We mm-hmm. hope you enjoy our uh, analysis and mm-hmm. uh, our brand of humor. Yes, and. Uh, and if you would do us the honor, go on iTunes and give us a review. That's really the most public thing you can do that really helps us climb the rankings and remain the number one Mizzou podcast on the web. Yeah, and tell a friend, you know, and uh, let people know that this exists. I think uh, I think I've, what I've seen a lot of is people going, I'm listening for the first time, even they follow us on Twitter or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's just like they finally give us a shot and gone, wow, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. This isn't... They're wrong, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. But yeah, if, if they have terrible taste, no <laughs> doubt about it. But do give us that review on iTunes. We really, really appreciate it. I know a lot of people listen in other avenues than iTunes, but if you can go there and leave us a review, it really does help. And it helps us get advertisers and blah, 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 all that shit. So, yeah, sure. And uh, during the season, we're going to be taking a lot of phone calls and reading a lot of emails too. So we really welcome when we're doing a recording, we'll try to pump it out on Twitter when we're uh, taking those calls. And so you can give us your thoughts when Missouri uh, disappoints or when they uh, surprise us. So, uh, you know, we look forward to interacting with you as much as, as anything as well, especially these new listeners who we haven't heard from before. Sure. So with that, I think we're going to wrap it up, you know, on behalf of Brian and his pending nuptials. I think, Colin, give you a hearty M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Pull it out, look like a baby's arm holding a plum.